Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including life groups, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. Amen. Church family, you can go ahead and have a seat. It is good to be together and to sing our rich theology out loud in community. I don't know, for me, that does something. Glad that you are here this morning. Hey, roses at Sam Alliance signify new life in Christ. And last week, Elizabeth pounded a ribbon into the cross and started a relationship with Jesus. Would you celebrate that? We are in our series, Tangible Peace, Presence, and Power, and we are just kind of realigning ourselves and being reminded of what it means to be a people, a community, a church that cares about our community. Uh, We are just looking again at our vision, our mission, and our values. I want to go over those again with you one last time today. Just make sure that they're fresh in your minds. Our vision is to see Salem be a city at peace with God. We believe that that, our name of our city, Salem, means peace, and we believe that we are called to live into that name. We do that through our mission, and we believe that collectively, those of us in this room exist. We exist to exalt Jesus Christ, become his fully devoted followers, and share his grace and truth with all people. In everything we do, we kind of run it through this grid, which is our values, life with Jesus together and on mission. We want those to kind of be, kind of each of them have a major role in what we do. We don't want to be focused totally just on the intellectual life with Jesus. We want to experience him, but we also want to experience them in community together, and we don't want to neglect those outside of our church building walls, but we want to be out there and do life on mission, and so we long for a balance in those. Over these last two weeks, we've talked about what it means to be the tangible peace of Jesus everywhere we step. We're learning how we can walk in the authority that we have as men and women, as as representatives of God, as priests, to then place the peace of Jesus onto people's minds and hearts. Last week, we talked about what it means to be tangible presence, and we talked about the fact that we get to start with a posture of humility, and in that humility, we're also looking to receive from those that we are bringing a message to, and in that is reciprocity, and as we walk in that, it ascribes value and dignity to those that we are encountering, and there's ability for us to bring the tangible presence, the known presence of Jesus everywhere we step to our spheres of influence. Today, we conclude the series by talking about tangible power. In this one, I mean, we look at Jesus, and before his group and his followers, before he's about to leave them on earth, he gives them this commission, and he says, that it's in Acts 1.8, he says, my power will come on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be telling people about me everywhere. Power to be a witness, to tell people about Jesus and what he's done in our lives. It's such a powerful thing, and it happens a few, a few weeks later at Pentecost. We know that Holy Spirit falls. We read throughout Scripture that when the kingdom is going forth, it should be taking ground, and we read that it's a kingdom of power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 is one of these verses that I, just, I hope that all churches are paying attention to. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. That's our, that's our goal, that we don't just talk about Jesus, but we demonstrate his tangible power into situations. We often comment that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in us. That's the energy that we have in us that enables us to do these things. That's taken directly from Ephesians 1. It's such a powerful concept. 
And so today, the question that I want to tackle is, what does this tangible power look like in our lives, in the lives of Christ followers today, in us, our church, in our context, in Salem, in the Willamette Valley? What is our role in telling people about God? Defining tangible power isn't a very easy task. I, I know because I tried to do it this week. And just as, as I'm walking in, I'm like, man, Jesus is so much more tangible. Jesus walked the earth. And while he was on earth, you could see him. You could touch him. He was fully God and fully man, which meant that you could also smell him. And I think sometimes he didn't smell real good, right? And so he was just, it was tactile. But then when he leaves, he said, it's good that I'm leaving because I'm going to give you the spirit. And the spirit isn't as tactile. And therefore, it's more difficult to pair the word tangible and power which comes from the Holy Spirit together. It can be tricky because so much of it is unseen and yet we know that the Spirit's power in our lives working in us and through us is real. It is encountered. It is manifested as we go out. Here's an attempt at defining tangible power within the context that I'm talking about today. Tangible power is when people have an encounter with us and leave knowing they've had an encounter with God. Let me say that again. Tangible power, uh, power is when people have an encounter with us, but leave knowing they've had an encounter with God. They've had a God sees me moment. They've had a moment where they know they've experienced something that's confusing because it's transcendent. We have language for it. It's one of these when heaven touches earth moments. We love these. We see these moments all the time. Often these moments of his power working through us are connected to his tangible pursuit of other people. He wants to get their attention. He wants them to go deeper. He's pursuing them for the first time so they will experience his saving grace and his love. The book of Acts is kind of our, our narrative text that is full of all these case studies of exactly what I'm talking about today. These stories were both Peter and Paul and many of the other apostles relying on the power of God to see the kingdom of God expand. We see these stories in here, and they're beautiful, and they're powerful, and they're kind of our textbook for how this goes. Today, I want to look at one of those stories. It's found in Acts 10. You can turn there if you want. I'll be reading it out loud. I'll be reading verses 23 to 48. You can turn there, the NLT, the New Living Translation. But before I read this, let me just set some context. You see, here in Acts 10, there's these two dreams that happen. And the first dream is given to this Roman centurion that lives in occupied territory. His name is Cornelius. And Cornelius has this vision. And in the vision, the voice of God or this angel appears to him and says, Cornelius, your good works and your gifts to the poor have come up before God. And he has a message for you. So there's this man in this other village called Joppa. And we want you to send some people to go and retrieve him and bring him back to you. Cornelius wakes up from that vision and believes it is from God, so he sends three men to Joppa. Scripture tells us here in Acts 10 that at the same time, the next day, Peter is on a roof by the sea in this little village when these three men enter the village. And Peter goes up on the roof. We get these weird details in Scripture. It tells us that Peter is really hungry, because that's important for us to know. I, so Peter's really hungry, and they're preparing a meal for him downstairs. And what is his dream about? Food. It's about food, which is fascinating to me. But he has this vision three times, and so he knows it's from God. And in this vision, there's this sheet or this blanket that is descending from heaven with all these animals, reptiles, and birds in it. And we know that they're all types. We, we, we would assume that there's, there's pigs in there. 
And we would assume that there's shellfish in there, that, there's, that there are some items that he shouldn't eat, and yet the voice that is there says, kill and eat. And he, as a devout Jew, says, no way. I have followed the Jewish rules and laws and customs all my life. I will not eat that unclean, that impure stuff. And yet the voice says, do not call something unclean that I have made clean. Peter wakes up perplexed and confused, and he's assuming, I'm assuming he's thinking like, man, how hungry was I? (laughs) Some scholars and culinary experts think that this is actually where the incredible appetizer pigs in the blanket was actually created. (laughs) Thank you for laughing. That was a really bad joke. It really was. I'm debating whether to keep telling it, but I just keep doing it. I can't help myself. But he knows it's from God because right away the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, hey, Peter, there's three men waiting downstairs for you. You can go with them. I'm at work. And that's where we pick up the story. Hey, as we read this story today, as I read it out loud, I want you to know I'm going to just, it's a longer passage. I'm going to put four pieces of art on the screen that will just kind of rotate through that are inspired by the story we're going to read. The first is Rembrandt's The Centurion Cornelius. The second is Calavino's St. Peter and Cornelius the Centurion. The third, The Baptism of St. Cornelius by uh, Michel Cornier. And the final one, my favorite, St. Peter Baptizing Cornelius by Laurent Peshu. They will scroll as I read Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 23b, reading from the NLT. The next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called them together with his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together, and they went inside, where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now, tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying at the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for him for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, and God was with him. And we, apostles, are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life. On the third day, 
Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who he ate and drank with after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. This is the word of the Lord. It's a powerful story. It is the gospel summarized by Peter so beautifully. It's an important moment for those of us in the room that don't come from Jewish ancestry. All of a sudden, the kingdom of God has been expanded to all people, both Jew and non-Jewish, the Gentiles. In this story, we see the pursuit of God towards Cornelius and his family in such a powerful way. In this story, we see Peter being pulled way outside of his comfort zone, way outside of his tradition. And in this story, we see a third person, might I say, even the main character, the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the main character in this, we see tangible power manifested throughout the story. The three places that I want to focus that we see it today are these. First, God's initial pursuit of Cornelius and his household. Secondly, we see it on Peter's words as he is the messenger. And finally, we see it in the illumination and the comprehension of the audience that is receiving Peter's message. So let's jump in. One of the things that I love worshiping God for is the fact that he is a God that pursues his creation so extravagantly. Here, the Holy Spirit is pushing forth the kingdom of God, and he's working in a powerful way in the lives. He's orchestrated this intersection of these two men, that their lives are about to collide. And here we are reminded that God goes before us. His tangible power and pursuit is already happening. In this story, the intersection of Peter and Cornelius happens because the Spirit is speaking through dreams. And let me pause here for just a second because I believe that there are many of us in this room that have our own dream stories where God has used dreams to pursue us, maybe for the first time or to take us deeper in our relationship with him. You see, sometimes God has to use dreams because our rational walls are always up because we control so much. And, oh, that's not that. And so sometimes it's in our sleep when those defenses are a bit down that he gets our attention. But many of you have these stories. But there's some in the room that think this is what happens oftentimes in other areas of the world, like the Middle East, where we have seen an incredible number of dreams over the last two decades. I've been there. I can testify to the truth in my friends and others that have come to to Christ because of dreams. And yet it's not limited geographically. The dreams are available to many of us, and for some of us today, we have to just ask ourselves, are we open to this? Have we asked him to reveal his power to us in this way? And are we praying for our friends and family and others that don't yet know Jesus to experience dreams? 
In this story, it's those dreams that get us to verse 33. An audience, they're all here in the presence to hear what God has commanded this man to say to them. This is a preacher's dream. A hungry audience. The gospel is about to be preached to these people, and they are anticipating it. Notice here, this isn't a cold call. Peter is not called into a setting, and there's nothing that's been set. No. The tangible power of God has already been at work. It is working. In our context, we need to stand in the peace that he is at work in the lives of our family, our friends, our kids, pursuing them, wooing them, awakening them to who he is. I think that oftentimes we think that in our spheres of influence that people do not want to hear about who this Jesus is. We think that many people that we know simply aren't on Christ's radar. In fact, if we're to be honest, we think that maybe it's our job to place people on his radar. But friends, this story testifies that people are on his radar. Here, Peter, Peter is standing in the home of a Roman centurion, the enemy, the oppressor, a man of power. He is sta- Are you kidding me? Peter is being awakened to the fact that we have a God that just, just pursues his creation in such powerful, powerful ways. He's pursuing this entire household Again, it's not a one-sided cold call. No, he's wooing. He's pursuing behind the scenes over and over. In our, one of our first years in Jordan, we had moved to a new city, and we had been there for about seven months, and I had become friends with this one Muslim guy, and we were becoming pretty close. We hadn't talked much about faith. It's just a tricky thing to do in the Middle East where it's actually illegal for a Muslim to become a follower of Jesus, and I remember that uh, we were going to have this little dedication service for my son. You know, my family was all in the U.S. My wife's family's in the U.S., but we still wanted to have a dedication service and dedicate our son to God, and so we gathered three Christian families together and we're going to do this house church service and at the last minute I was like you know what I'm going to invite my friend and his wife and in many ways they're stand-in family right now so I asked him would you be willing to come it's this awkward little thing we do in the house and uh, just just come would you be willing he was so honored him and his wife were so honored uh, like true Arabs they showed up pretty late and we had already started and uh, my wife Jess she's leading worship on guitar and they walk in I can't imagine how weird that was for them and they, they walk in and they then we stand up and we, we just have this little mini ceremony. We're dedicating my son to God. And then I just, I, we're all sitting around on couch. I said, I am going to open the word of God in just 10, 12 minutes to explain why we do this. And then I close in prayer and my friend says, come with me now. And he grabs me and he takes me to the other room and he goes, tell me everything about Jesus. I have been waiting 36 years for someone to tell me who this Jesus is. I've gone to church after church that will not let me in because I am a Muslim. Tell me everything. That man was my Cornelius in that moment. And I believe that God has put Corneliuses in each of your lives. And when you take those steps of faith, I feel that you will see that he has been working behind the scenes to prepare people. Here in our narrative, we see that the tangible power in God's pursuit of his household, it's there, but he also invites Peter into the process. And this is what confuses me, because Cornelius has already had a dream, and how easy would it have been for God to explain everything that Peter is about to explain to him in the dream? Would that not be more efficient? Would that not be more clear? Would that not be more transcendent? And yet God chooses to invite this person into the story. 
He sees Peter and he allows him to take place in this. And throughout the book of Acts, we see this. That when people follow in obedience, that the Holy Spirit comes upon their words in powerful ways. We see it in Acts 17 as Paul is speaking to the Athenians. And we see it in Acts 7 right before Stephen is going to be stoned. And he gives this incredible recap of who Jesus is and what he means to him. And there's just something that is so nice about this because it just reminds us that it's the word. It's the Holy Spirit that comes upon our words as they are proclaimed that gives them the power. These words spoken when we are nudged by the Holy Spirit carry weight. They do not return void when they're given. When we walk and share who God is and what he's done, it it is not awkward. We're not alone in it. His presence is there. His power is there when we declare what he has done in our lives. When we speak of the theological truths of his death and resurrection, it is not coercive. It is not manipulative. It is tangible power. I hope this takes a bit of the pressure and guilt and even having to script something out of your repertoire. You get to rely on his power. Tangible power is manifested as God gives us the words to speak and the peace to release. We experience it. When we walk in this, others have these God sees me moments. They have these powerful things. It confirms faith for them. It confirms that there's a God that is pursuing them. And don't miss, Peter has one of these moments too. In Peter's obedience, he has a God sees me moment. His whole concept of God being just the God of the Israelites is blown up. And he realizes, wow, this is so much bigger than this. It's a powerful, powerful moment. Here in the story, it's not just Peter and Cornelius that have an encounter with the tangible power. Notice everyone in Cornelius' house does. It says, while Peter was speaking the words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Reading and listening for comprehension. The teachers in the room are just like, yes. (laughs) The students in the room are like, oh, The SRAs back when I was growing up. I still remember this memory when I was in fourth grade and had to give an oral book report in front of the whole class. I had written such a good paper based on the back cover of the book. (laughs) And quickly the teacher began to pepper me with things to show me that she knew that's all I read. I'm a professor, and at times, after giving a 10, 15-minute lecture, and you begin to ask your students for just some clarifying things to make sure they understood everything you were talking about, and it's a deer caught in headlights, and you realize, woof, they're clueless right now. <laughs> Comprehension's a tough thing, and this story tells us it goes a whole lot better when the listeners are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And let us not forget that that's part of the work, that these complex truths, these theological understandings, I've been amazed at how quickly they can make sense to unlearned people that haven't studied the theology because Holy Spirit comes and gives them that understanding. Illumination for the receiver is also part of God's tangible power. The understanding that these transcendent truths happen because of power. Every person in that house had a God sees me moment. They spoke in tongues. They were baptized. They were added to the kingdom of God in that moment. Everyone in that house had an encounter with Peter, but left knowing that they had had an encounter with God. 
And so we end with the question that we started with. What does this tangible power look like in the lives of us today, of Christ followers in this century? Here in this narrative and throughout the book of Acts, I think we see so much that is modeled about God's empowering spirit for his kingdom to go forth. We see that spirit power is there for our sharing of our faith. He gives us the words to say in the proper moment. Those words will not come back void. When you get caught off guard, simply say that Beth breath prayer and God will speak through you. Here, I believe we also see that spirit's power for encouragement and blessing. And I encourage you this week, when God brings a face to mind that you haven't, someone you haven't seen in months or years or puts a name into your mind, would you pay attention to that? Send a quick text, send an email and say, I'm not sure why you came to mind today, but you did. How are things? What's going on? I think you'll be amazed at what God will do through those follow-throughs. Finally, we don't see it in this story, but we see it throughout Acts, spirit power for healing for the sick, relationally broken and addicted. We see it throughout the book of Acts. And some of you, he is calling you to take those steps, to pray for people who are sick, who when they come to you with a diagnosis, take that courageous step if spirit nudges you and pray his comfort, but pray his healing power to help pray into broken relationships that reconciliation will take place. I know for a majority of us in this room, we look at this list and we say, cool, I'm going with the middle one. The middle one is doable. I'm not the Apostle Peter, so that's my safe space. And that's fine. Start there. Because here's the thing. I believe that if we start noticing God's tangible power that is on and in us, you will notice that he's pursuing people. Some of you this week will have one of these moments where someone tells you, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. You are in a Cornelius moment. Some of you will be sharing a story from your life about what God has done, his protection, his covering, and the other person will start to tear up. Might that be a Cornelius moment? Part of learning to walk in this is simply paying attention. God's tangible power and presence in your life will cause people to relate to you differently. They're looking. They're wondering. Sam Alliance, imagine if we all did this. Imagine if we took these challenges to be the peace and the presence and the power of Jesus throughout our broken city, in the homes, the neighborhoods, the schools, the jobs, the grocery stores we shop in, the gyms we work out in, the parks that we take our kids and grandkids to. This is the way the kingdom of God goes forth. Not from this platform, through the lives of you being the peace and the presence and the power of Jesus everywhere you step outside of these walls. He's inviting us. He's inviting us. He sees us. He wants to utilize us to push back the darkness. Will you receive the invitation? Let's pray. Jesus, we declare that you are a good father. And in that, you pursue your creation and you do so aggressively. And you use us to do it. 
Lord, so we receive this invitation today, and I just release courage among my brothers and sisters to walk in this. I pray that discernment would come, that they would see the places where you are at work, and they would step up. And when they speak the words of truth, would your Holy Spirit come upon them? Would you show them that you have pursued people and prepared them in advance? And Lord, in those moments, would you bring illumination to the receiver to understand how deep and powerful your love is? We worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.